Right, um, just a little advert before we uh, kick off. Uh, you'll see on the screen about the City Hope Bible School, which starts in less than a month. Uh, it's uh, a new venture that we've got, and uh, certainly is going to you know, roll at least a, a couple of years, uh, but hopefully a lot longer. But we're going to take it a year at a time, uh, and uh, uh, you'll see that it uh, is three Friday evenings per term. Uh, for a couple of hours, so it's uh, not intended to take over life, but just to fit in with with other stuff. So nine evenings a year. Um, it's uh, if you want to dig into the Bible, if you are new in your faith, uh, and or even if you're old in your faith and you never got a grips with the Bible, this is a fantastic opportunity to dig deep. I particularly encourage people who are young and looking to be move into some form of leadership. We need to get into the Word of God, God's Word, uh, and to be able to handle and master God's Word. So it is a fabulous opportunity. It's only three uh, evenings a term. Uh, the, there is a, uh, a booking and uh, a small payment. Uh, all the details are there at the bottom. So if you're interested, just take a note now. Uh, just email Rebecca Whittlesea City Hope dot uh, co dot UK and book your place. We've got quite a number of people already booked, but particularly encourage younger guys who are looking to move into leadership or people who are new in the faith. This will be superb for you. Um, also, we want to open it up to other churches. So if you've got friends, other Christians in the area, please uh, ask them to come along as well. But the same booking. So, let's just see whether this works. Uh, we're on to our fourth and final session on Jonah. Uh, Jonah is a very small book, four chapters, so we've had four Sundays on Jonah. Uh, and uh, he's um, a very small book, short book, four chapters, um, but it's got a mighty message. It's one many people have heard about because of Jonah and the whale, and people know almost from kids' stories. But the message is very, very powerful. Um, Jonah uh, was one of the minor prophets. That didn't mean he went underground looking after uh, for coal. It meant that he wrote short book. Uh, major prophets wrote long books. Uh, and minor prophets wrote short books. And there were 12 minor prophets. If you think of your Bible, um, almost a game of two halves but they're not equal halves. The first two-thirds of your Bible is the Old Testament, and the, uh, the, the final third is New Testament. If you dig into your Bible, very easy to get around. There's 66 books. If you go bang in the middle, what book do we find? Psalms. And after the Psalms, so after the Psalms, you find the prophets. And there are two types of prophets. There are... Okay, we got it. And he, it was the seventh of the 12 minor prophets. Um, and of course, we all think it's about the whale. But forget about the whale. It's all about the plant. And that's because Jonah lost the plot. Have, has anybody here ever lost their plot, the plot in their, in their life? Yeah, okay. It's, it's a sort of plot plant message, this. bomb. bum um, so this is all about losing the plot. Jonah lost the plot. 
What's quite interesting about pretty much everybody in the Bible is they lose the plot. The story of the Bible is about people losing the plot. But God, as we've heard today from Alan, is rescuing us. Um, and so we are going to look at Jonah. Rebecca did this fabulous map, which you can't see. <laughs> but I can. Let me help you. Cyprus. Anybody being on holiday? Cyprus. Dean and Donna, our friends, are in Cyprus. Israel here. Syria. We know all about Syria at the minute because what's happening in the news? What's happening in Damascus, uh, etc. Iraq is over here. Our friends, uh, Sharo and Alexis, live here in Suleimani, which is in the Kurdish part of Iraq. This was historically, no, this area here is known as the Fertile Crescent. It was a sort of cradle of civilization. Uh, so when we were sort of scrabbling around here in Britain, they were just so far, so sophisticated, so far advanced. Um, and the story of Jonah is about this area. Jonah was born in Israel, in the northern part of Israel. He's a northerner. Anybody else a northerner? Yeah. Good on you. Good on you. You're Scottish. You're not northerners, you lot. <laughs> that doesn't count. Uh, mind you, well, today I'll welcome anybody. Um, bunch of southern, southern softies here. Um, so, um, here. Always win your audience over first. I feel, I feel it works much better. So, uh, so this, is, this is Israel here. And Jonah was born near Nazareth. Of course, the birthplace of Jesus. Um, so he was in the north. And Rebecca did this wonderful map because Jonah, the story of Jonah is that he was told to go to Nineveh, which was the biggest city in the world at the time, 120,000 people. For 50 years, it was the biggest city in the world. And Nineveh was up near where Sharon Alexis lived at a place called Mosul. If anybody follows the news, ISIS have just taken Mosul. Uh, in fact, they've moved out of Mosul now, praise God. But they, that's the area they were in. Uh, and so Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, which is today known as Mosul, uh, and to preach God's judgment on that city. So it's a bit like being told, go to ISIS and tell them God's judgment is going to come on you. Any volunteers? No, Jonah was exactly the same. He decided, I'm not going there. I'm going west, young man. And he decided he'd go on holiday to Spain, to Tarshish. And that's where we pick up the story. I'm going to read through very quickly the whole book of Jonah, but I've taken the first three chapters, loads of it out. But if you've missed a few weeks, you'll be able to catch up very quickly. So here we go. Let's um, fasten your seatbelts. Let's go ahead. Jonah heads to Spain for a holiday. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come 
upon me. Am I getting feedback or is it just me? Fine. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, which is in Spain. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? He answered, I'm a Hebrew and worship the Lord who made the sea and the dry land. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah's SOS prayer. Uh, so this, uh, Philip uh, spoke on this and uh, gave us instructions on how to pray if you're ever inside a whale. So from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And then last week, Dave Staunton uh, took us through this uh, chapter 3, Jonah's mission to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord uh, came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, already established, 120,000 large, largest city in the world. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah gets mad with God. But to Jonah, and this is what we're reading all of chapter 4 now, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? 
That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in, in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat in its shade. Just momentarily here, I was speaking to um, uh, Sharon Alexis. You know, the temperature's there, 45 degrees, 50 degrees. So, you know, we're talking serious heat. Uh, and so... Uh, no air conditioning. So he says, then the Lord provided a leafy plant. Sorry, just going back up. Um, there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people, who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals, which is an interesting way to finish the chapter. So, let's think about Jonah for a minute. What sort of person was Jonah? I've just sort of deduced some of these things about Jonah. Um, and to me, he's a bit of an alpha male. Uh, he's brave. Uh, is courageous. I mean, the thought of going to ISIS uh, center and to proclaim against the Ninevites, because that's what it was li like. The Ninevites were pr probably the most brutal uh, people at that time. Uh, he was tough. He was resilient. Uh, he was independent-minded. He was focused. He had a strong sense of justice. He had religious zeal. He was authentic. He uh, was honest and open about his feelings. He even understood the character of God. I know you're compassionate and slow to anger, he said. And he's a great communicator and influencer because to turn <laughs> that group of people around, you've got to have some skills. Um, <coughs> and yet, we read the book of Jonah in this final chapter, uh, and you see a very human person who gets moody, who gets upset over small things. Um, this plant, uh, he preaches to the Ninevites, 
And because they repent, you know what? He gets angry. Why? Because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. And we'll come on to that a little bit more. But he was human. And whatever we see throughout Scripture and the people that, that uh, are written about in Scripture, human beings. And sometimes we expect, and we put people on a pedestal, and we expect people to be God. But you know what? We're humans. And sometimes we can expect be, have over-expectations of other people. Let's expect God to be God, and let's expect each other to be human. <coughs> when I was um, 18, 19, um, I don't often remember lots of things that have been said, but there's one thing that was said to me at that time. I was a Christian. Um, I was a part of a, I took a year out before I went off to university and went on something called Operation Mobilization that was led by an American guy called George Verber. And if ever there was a dynamic person, that was George Verber. Uh, you know, he was heroic in many regards. A person who probably in his early 30s had done just the most amazing things uh, for God. And so as an 18-year-old, I was pretty much in awe of him. And I remember him saying once, he said <coughs> this. He said, if I fall away from God, where will you be? And that's always stuck with me, that my faith is not dependent on another human being. It's not dependent on somebody else going on with God. It is dependent on God. And we are human. And we make mistakes. Don't let your faith depend on another human being. Our faith is on in God. And that's an important thing as we look at Jonah. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, actually how he went about his, the process. So here you've got an artistic impression of Jonah and the being vomited out very gracefully out of the whale. <coughs> and there is an artistic uh, impression of Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh, fortunately, if you go to the British Museum, now we realize where we've kept them, uh, we have many artifacts from Nineveh around that time. So I suggest I've been there many times to look at them. So you can go right back and look at the archaeological uh, um, artifacts from the time uh, of Nineveh. And <coughs> Dave Saunton last week really helpfully uh, said, you know, how God used um, uh, jo uh, Jonah's experiences um, and uh, uh, you know, being at sea and then being in the, in, in, in the great fish and then uh, going to preach to Nineveh. Uh, because one of the things he brought up last week was one of the gods in Nineveh was Dagon. Uh, Dagon was a fish god. Um, and there's uh, actually on the left-hand side is an artifact from Nimrud, which is right near Nineveh. Uh, which is uh, still around today. And, and that uh, you can just about see the fish up this side of the uh, sculpture. Of course, here's another fish sculpture. And of course, Jonah turns up. Can we don't know what happened in those three days that Nineveh repented. But can you imagine? Dagon Fest, the great you know, festival, the rave that they had in Nineveh, Dagon Fest turning up, everybody going on about Dagon. 
And Joshua turns up really disheveled. And he says, you know what? I've arrived by whale. <coughs> and he didn't actually, because obviously it was inland, but we won't go there. Um, <coughs> but the whole concept that Josh, Jonah had been in the fish was a remarkable thing. That God used that uh, to be able to speak to the people of Nineveh. We don't quite know what happened, but what we do know is that the people of Nineveh repented. And Jonah, Jonah was absolutely furious. He was furious. Do you know why? Why was, why was Jonah furious that he preached this message and people repented? Do you know why? Because they didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve God's compassion. They were like ISIS. They didn't deserve it. And because they didn't deserve it, Jonah was absolutely angry with God because, God, you are compassionate. You've let them off. But you know what? None of us deserve God's love. Not one of us here deserves God's grace. Jonah didn't realize that he didn't deserve God's grace. And it's easy sometimes to be in a situation to think they don't deserve it. But the point is, we always have to be in that situation where we know, you know what? I don't deserve God's grace. And Jonah uh, sat outside. He went east of the city. He made himself a shelter. And God, in this 50-degree heat, and God <coughs> made a vine to grow. And he sat outside in the vine. Let's just reread what it says um, here. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, uh, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose and God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and it would be better for me to die than to live. But jo God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? God gave Jonah a, almost like a parable just so he understood what was going on here. That Jonah had lost the plot. He started to become far more animated, far angry about a plant dying than what was happening to Nineveh. And in our lives, we can get so angry about irrelevant things. The washing machine breaking down the car breaking down, somebody being awkward at work, whatever it might be, something not going right in our lives, and we can get so wound up about it, and we lose the plot. Jonah <coughs> lost the plot over a plant. Let's read on. It says, But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people. <coughs> Jonah's focus was on himself and his own situation. He was more concerned about the plant, more concerned about the discomfort. He'd lost the plot. He'd missed the whole point, the main thing of God's heart for thousands of people. He was angry and annoyed over something that was insignificant. God wanted Jonah and wants us to understand his purpose, his agenda, his priorities, his concerns. And God's agenda, his concerns, is to rescue people. Why did he send his son Jesus from heaven to earth to die for us? Why? Because of his he wants to rescue us. And we can't say about somebody else they don't deserve it. Well, we can. They don't deserve it. But we equally say of ourselves, I don't deserve it. You see, Jonah, who had all those characteristics I said earlier, had a heart problem. The problem with his heart was that it was too small. Several sizes, whoops, several sizes too small. And Jonah had another problem, is he had a perspective problem. He wasn't seeing things right. He lost, he got the wrong mindset. There he was outside the city, and he was, being cl he was closing in on himself. He was focusing in on himself. Let's look at it a different way. We spoke about Jonah's personality. We spoke about his uh, 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 purposes. Jonah was focused on the middle of that, that, that circle. He was not interested in God's purpose. All of a sudden, it had moved and changed. Jonah was limited uh, by his person personality and his experiences. He was focused on the small thing and missed the big thing, God's purpose and heart the interesting thing is is we don't know how jo and the frustrating thing about this book of Jonah is we don't know how it all ended we don't know how Jonah responded because we don't hear of Jonah again but I don't know whether that reflects your life I can certainly see it in my life where small irrelevant things distract my focus and my heart is shifted, and my mindset becomes narrow. So, <coughs> and I miss out on the purposes of God, and it's at that point we need to say, Lord, I need to understand your purposes. I need to understand your heart for things. I need to take eyes off myself and put them onto you. His eyes were on himself, and his heart was small. And that is part of the human condition. I'm not here blaming Jonah because we're all like that. That we become self-centered rather than centered upon God's purposes. The big question for us as individuals and also for us as City Hope is how do we get a bigger heart? How do we get God's mindset on things? How do we uh, see things the way God sees things? Well, the way that we do that is we look at Jesus. Let's just have a read here of Philippians 2. 
just want to read through this. It says, therefore, if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any, sorry, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, sorry, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. You know, I guess I could say and ask of each of us today, is our heart too small? Is our mindset too narrow? And I guess I'd put, we'd all put our hand up. But there may be people here today who actually, today you know that you're more interested in a plant, that you've got distracted, that you've lost the plot, and God says to you, I want you to refocus. I want you to come back to me. I, I want you to ask of me to fill me again with your spirit. And uh, I'd like to, we've got a little bit of time, I'm going to ask Sue and Paul if you could come back and uh, just so that we can just pray. Uh, if today something, God has spoken to you very specifically about something, not generally, very specifically, and you say, today uh, I realize my focus is gone. I've narrowed down on my own life. If that's you, and you're wanting today to say, Lord, I want to be in, understand your heart for people. I want to understand your purposes again for my life. We'd like to stand like specifically to pray for you, uh, just while Paul and Sue uh, pray for us. So if there's anybody there who just says today, I want, that's what I want to do. I'd like to be able to pray for you. I'd like to stand now.